Hi everyone and welcome to our fourth and final module in the Physiology and Sports Nutrition webinar series. Today we'll be taking a look at weight making sports. Uh, I'm Bethany Allison, in-house dietitian for Sports Dietitians Australia and today I have with me uh, Dr Gary Slater and Michael Dobbin who will be presenting on this module. Dr Gary Slater is an experienced sports performance dietitian who has been working in elite sports since 1996. Gary's professional interests relate primarily to enhancing sports performance. Gary currently splits his time as the National Performance Nutrition Network Lead. He's hands-on in athlete servicing, he's teaching, and he's also researching the impact of diet on sports performance. A very busy guy. Gary is particularly passionate about factors influencing muscle protein metabolism and muscle hypertrophy and atrophy, nutritional ergogenic aids, nutrient timing, and the influence of body composition on sports performance. His publications include over 100 manuscripts in peer-reviewed journals and book chapters. Thank you, Gaz. And today we have presenting with Gaz, uh, Michael Dobbin. Michael Dobbin is a physical performance specialist at the West Australian Institute of Sport within the Pathways program. He's an experienced sports performance staff member and has been working in elite sports since 2003 with 12 years experience as a strength and conditioning specialist and high performance manager in both the AFL and NRL. He currently works with athletes at or aspiring to achieve Olympic level performance across a number of sports, including hockey, volleyball, triathlon, artistic swimming and shooting, as well as having extensive expertise working with weight making athletes in boxing and wrestling. Michael is an ESSA accredited high performance manager, sports scientist and exercise phys physiologist and an ASCAP pro coach. So when Gary and Michael are talking today, we invite you to post any questions that you might have into the chat box and I'll facilitate, facilitate those questions to our presenters at the end of the webinar. We ask that even if we're running sort of close to time that you do put those questions in. Both Gary and Michael are endeavouring to keep to time. We've had mixed success with that during this series, um, but we will be able to pass those questions on to them if you have them at any stage and a reminder that this is being recorded and will be available in Moodle soon after the presentation has finished. I'd like now to now hand you over to Gary who will get us started. Thanks so much Beth uh, and, and thanks uh, to Sports Dietitians Australia for the invitation to contribute to this. Uh, I'd like to start uh, by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land uh, on which we meet today uh, for myself on the Sunshine Coast it's the Kabi Kabi people and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. I'd also like to recognise the outstanding contribution that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people make to society and to sport in Australia, and to celebrate the power of sport in promoting reconciliation and to reduce inequality. Bit of an overview associated with the session today. Uh, I'm gonna to provide you with some brief background information before I then tap out. Uh, and hand over to Michael to talk more to training uh, within these making weight sports, looking at training prescription, periodization and monitoring, or perhaps dare I say it, lack thereof. Um, this will be a really interesting contrast for you compared to some of the other um, webinars that you've seen to date. Um, I'll then uh, take over the reins again uh, and looking more specifically at, at making weight within the, these sports and looking at the physiological implications of both acute and chronic weight loss strategies amongst these populations, um, focusing especially on the performance and wellbeing related issues, um, and then looking at the nutrition implications of how we can perhaps overcome some of those issues. We'll talk briefly towards the end in regards to some post weigh and recovery strategies, 
uh, and then I'll, we'll direct you to some additional resources, uh, recognising that we won't be able to cover everything across this um, range of different sports in an hour, and we're committed to, to um, having this done within the hour. For those that haven't had a great deal of exposure to weight category sports, um, the underlying philosophy is that these sports were established to promote fairness and safety by minimising size and strength disparity amongst athletes. Now, there's a number of Olympic sports with weight categories, the combat sports with judo, wrestling, taekwondo, boxing and karate, as well as weightlifting and rowing. Um, if we look outside of the Olympic events, we then add uh, really high participation sports such as mixed martial arts uh, and powerlifting. And while these sports are often classified together as weight category sports, it's really important to recognise that they can vary quite markedly, even within the combat sports themselves, when we compare and contrast some of the grappling sports such as judo and wrestling versus some of the striking sports such as boxing and karate. Now, there's a temptation amongst athletes within these sports to compete in a division that's below their normal training weight. And this is typically achieved either chronically and or acutely. And that process is what we know as making weight or cutting weight. Um, whether or not that actually provides a performance benefit or advantage to an athlete might be questionable, given the majority of the athletes are actually doing it concurrently. Um, the weight classes and associated regulations vary with the sport. Um, we can, we'll see that the time frame between weigh in and when a person competes can vary anywhere between, say, a couple of hours in our Olympic uh, sports through to 24 or 36 hours within our professional combat sports. And that can have a marked influence in regards to what the athletes do in regards to their making weight practices, both as they come in to, to making weight, but also what they do in recovery thereafter. Um, there's also disparity between the sports in regards to the number of times they might have to make weight. For some of these sports, they will only have to make weight once. For others, every time they compete, they have to make weight. And so we need to give consideration to what are the implications of a person repeatedly making weight over a period of a week, for example. And then there are some sports in which there are additional nuances. For example, a restriction in regards to the amount of weight that can be regained between when they weigh in and when they compete. And these um, adjustments in, in rules and regulations um, are evolving with time, uh, in part to be able to help mitigate the risk associated with these sports. And then we can look within a particular sport, um, differing weight categories, depending whether or not the, the competition is governed by their international federation or through the Olympics. And I'll provide the example with Taekwondo here. Um, from an international federation perspective, you could go to a world championships and across both males and females, there are eight different weight categories. Yet at the Olympics, that is reduced to just four. And you can imagine the implications there for an athlete who perhaps sits in the 72 kilo weight category at a world championship. What are they going to do when they go to the Olympics, uh, when they've either got to go down or go up? Really important considerations. Some of the stuff we'll talk about might actually challenge you professionally. Uh, and certainly when I first started working in these sports, um, it was something that uh, I really had to come to terms with. Um, because some of the things that are undertaken in, in these sports um, perhaps contradict some of the things we were taught through our university training. Now, we didn't want to spend any time talking about the nuances of each of the individual sports. Um, and as such, referring you to some additional resources, uh, the American College of Sports Medicine have only just late last year released an expert consensus statement on weight loss in weight category sports 
if you follow the link down the bottom of this slider, it'll take you directly to that full paper, um, as well as a number of um, PowerPoint slides associated with that. There's a very detailed table within that document that talks to the nuances of each of these different weight category sports in regards to what specific weight categories, the time frame between weighing and competition, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're looking at working with athletes in any way in these particular sports, it's critical you have awareness of the rules and regulations associated with that. All right, time for me to tap out and uh, we'll get Michael to take over. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Gary. And thank you everybody for uh, tuning in during your lunch break or this morning. Uh, great use of the pun, Gary, there with the, the tap out in combat sports, very appropriate. Really enjoyed it. Um, so I think underlying my presentation today is the acknowledgement that uh, bioenergetics is well and truly um, a physiology realm, but the, the performance element and the, and the strength that a, a dietitian and a sports dietitian can bring to the world of sport is um, far in excess of anything that um, the physiologists can do in this context. But I guess underpinning 